0: I think that we don't give ourselves enough credit in many areas for the strength we have because it doesn't seem like the connection should be made to something else. But if you can be strong in one area, you can translate that to almost any other area of your life. Hey, what's up, everybody?
1: It's John here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Fueling the Pursuit presented by UCAN. The voice you just heard was that of Tommy Bailey, a.k.a. Tommy Runs a 248 marathoner who recently qualified for the upcoming Boston Marathon. Tommy has one of the coolest stories in running today, in my opinion. Five years ago, running became the tool he used to transform his life. It has taken him on a journey to not only becoming sober, but also a growing inspiration to anyone who hears his story. What makes this conversation special is Tommy's willingness to be open, honest, and completely vulnerable with us. The more he talked, the more I was left in awe of his courage to share his story. His message to others is to be honest with yourself so you can finally overcome whatever it is that's holding you back. We talk about the transformative power of running throughout this conversation, but if any sport makes you feel free and empowered, then it can do for you what running has done for Tommy. His story is proof that the right personal changes can help you overcome whatever seems impossible to you right now. And I can't wait for you to be inspired by our conversation with him. Before we get into this episode with Tommy, as always, I want to take a moment to introduce UCAN and this podcast to our newest listeners. YouCan is a go-to nutrition product of choice for so many elite athletes. But even UCAN knows that true success is about so much more than just how you fuel your body. We know that it's also about how you fuel your passions, your motivation, and your mindset which is why this podcast will take you inside the minds of Olympians, elite athletes, coaches, and trainers to better understand what drives them to constantly push to achieve new personal bests. We're excited to take you on this journey and we hope we can give you a little more fuel as you work towards optimizing your own performances, both in sport and in life. Now on to the episode with Tommy.
2: All right, today's guest is Tommy Bailey, a.k.a. Tommy Runs, a remarkable man who's transformed his life over the past five years, with running being one of the core pillars of that transformation. Five years ago, he made the decision to get so. A year later, he went vegan. The spring of 2018, he began running, and he's now a 248 marathon runner, the host of the Run, Eat, Sleep podcast, owner of Chip Time Running, and is inspiring people across the country to transform their lives. We're excited to learn more about how he's done it. So, Tommy. Thank you for joining us. No, thank you for having me, man. Happy to be
0: here, Tommy. What's up, man? Hey, I'm good. I'm hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, you look good. You look good. I appreciate that, man. I'm just trying to like as as you get older in life, you just if the more compliments you get about you look good or you look healthy. <laughs> I mean, that's that's all you're looking for is just a couple like uh, you know affirmations from some folks, right?
1: You need it. You need it to keep going, man. Uh, We'd love to jump into hearing a little bit about where you're located and how things are going for you at this point in, in the year.
0: Um, located in uh, the Detroit, Michigan area. I'm actually in Farmington Hills, Michigan, just outside of Detroit. Um, okay. And things are going really well. Training for a race coming up. It's a small race. Not sure if you've heard of it. Uh, the Boston Marathon. It's like this little thing they do every year. Right around, right around right on. Um, and um, training for that. The weather's starting to break a little bit, but it's Michigan in the Midwest. So. Sunday was like 60 degrees, and then the next day is like 30 degrees. So we're, we're, on the, we're on the roller coaster, but things are going well. That's awesome, That's,
2: man. How are you feeling about the Boston Marathon? How's the
0: training been going? Uh, no, I'm feeling really, really, really good about it. Um, it feels like it's been a long time coming. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more, but this, this has been the main goal for the last couple of years is to get to, to this point to be training for it. And it's the most mileage I've done consecutively um, ever. Uh, it's, it's the most intensity, all that put together. Um, so I feel like people, somebody asked me how I feel the other day. And I said, I feel tired and strong, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. cause I'm not gonna tell you, I feel good because. You know, it's just, that's what marathon training is. If you're doing it is, is, you know, you're not, you feel pretty, pretty rough every night, you know, for the, for the most part, especially yeah. in the middle to the end of this. So we're in the home stretch less than six weeks left. So the next three weeks will be very exciting. I'm sure. And it'll yeah. be like kind of the bulk of the training. And we got some big workouts coming up, and I'm kind of happy for it. If you don't mind me asking, do you have a
1: particular goal going into the race? Or are you just happy to be participating?
0: Well, so I've always uh, throughout goals, you know, um, publicly, just, I mean, not like I'm famous or anything like that, but I've always like told <laughs> friends and stuff just because I like to have that feeling. But this goal is kind of more vague. I want a PR for sure. Okay. My, my PR right now is 248. Uh, I want to PR by you know more than a few minutes, um, but I just kind of want to figure it out because it's definitely a different course. I'm in training for much lower than than uh, 248, but we'll see how the day plays out, uh, what the weather looks like, and you know I've done all the preparation for the hills and things like that, so I don't feel okay. like that'll be a problem. But um, I kind of want to go into the day you know ready to race, not really worried about too much other than just like executing what I've practiced and try to shoot for. Do you have a group
1: of people going with you or is just you going out there on yeah. your own?
0: You no. Know, so a friend of mine um, that is in the run club, he's actually a co-founder of We Run 313. He qualified last year. Same race that I qualified at, um, the Glass City Marathon in Toledo, April like something, 2021. And he's going to be there. He's racing. We had another guy that actually just pulled out because he had some knee issues. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not going to be able to race, so really bummed out. But he actually got the race last October and totally... He PR'd by like seven minutes in Boston of all places, right? So at least right. he had a really good uh, effort the last time he went. And some other friends are going to be going to the Rhode Island Road Races there the two days before Boston. So they'll just be coming up to watch the next couple of days later. So we'll have a nice little crew. Um, not a bunch of us running, but it should be it should be good. Good. Well, me, That's going to be you great.
2: You mentioned a couple things here that are pretty important. I think one is obviously having a good group of people to train with to keep you accountable and keep you doing the work and keep you motivated. but uh, also, I really just want to call out the fact that you state your goals openly to people and tell them because I think there's a lot of power in that. And I think a lot of people hold their goals inside and sort of try to keep, you know, the, the kind of, oh, I don't want to yeah. tell everybody my goal because what if I don't achieve it kind of thing. Whereas telling people is actually one of the secrets to getting yourself to do the work to achieve it, right? Because it holds you accountable to putting it out there. Are there any other sort of approaches you use or, or strategies you feel like you have to keep yourself doing the work and staying on track?
0: Yeah, I think I've always been open and talking about the goals, like you said, and I've been sometimes been very exact, like I want to run this number, Um, but just, I'm not sure, like, I think it's more of, um, I know for sure that like, I have like this burning desire to figure out how far I can go in this thing called running. Um, Mm -hmm. And and just keep pushing that limit, and I mean, because I'm 37 years old, and I think up until like age 32 or so, I was really put myself and people around me through a lot with alcoholism. Um, and I was in you know with not stating any goal. I didn't tell anybody I have a goal to get to this point where I'm at my lowest. I never said anything out loud, but I <laughs> every day I, I was very dedicated to something very rough you know in my life and adding to this this issue. Um, so I, I always kind of joke and say like some of the issues that I had, you know, with drinking, I feel like they apply really well if I look at it the right way to running into other things in life. I mean, cause it takes perseverance to be able to go through all the things and all the signs are pointing to stop. You need to go a different direction. You need to save yourself, save your family, save the people around you. Uh, but you just can kind of continue to go. And I think a lot of times we have like these negative traits or things that people look down on about us and as soon as we get rid of them we think oh i'm so glad that's behind us but that side of my life brought me to where we are today i mean without that happening to me i wouldn't be talking to you you know at this moment Mm -hmm. i try to use the fact that i was able to tough it out you know for so long with that that i can go pretty much do anything positive that may even be uncomfortable i can do that every day You know, because I did this before, but it was the most negative situation possible. You know, it sounds like it's odd, but that's how I just look at it. Like I I have a choice. I just go and do if I'm supposed to run today, I'm going to run today. And that's just how it works out.
2: So um, I think that's really cool. I'm going to try to rephrase a little bit, just in the sense that you had these negative qualities or things that you would have seen as being really negative about yourself, like this this pushing your body to the limit, but it was, it was happening in a negative way, but actually you're able to look at that and say, you know, actually I was able to put my body through a lot. Like I'm a tough person who's able to overcome a lot of adversity in the sense of like, you've already proven that you've put yourself through it. And therefore it's just transferring that mindset, which is something I don't think I've ever had anybody say to me about something like alcoholism or something that was such a negative trait, like spin it all the way around to be like, well, if I could be an alcoholic, I could be a runner. It's kind of like that, that. those two things don't always go there, but I find that to be actually quite profound.
0: Right. I mean, I just feel like for me, I remember how rough, you know, some days were just being in these weird places mentally and physically, but mainly mentally, just kind of like dark moments. And when you're running a race, your mind goes through the same type of weird things. I don't think my mind really distinguishes from like the trauma, like whether um, our mind just doesn't like certain situations, you know? And yeah. I just feel like those dark moments out on a race or during a run where you just want to stop and it's just like you need to give up you know all your body's telling you all these signs and you ignore it um and you keep going I feel like I've done that so many times just in a different sense I was talking to my my daughter's 14 and she was doing something and she didn't think she was strong like you know just mentally for whatever reason I think she was just trying to like give herself an out for something but I'm like you know you're probably one of the most stubborn people I know (laughs) so (laughs) I know that you're strong, you're mentally strong. I know that when you want to do something, you do it, you know. And I think that we don't give ourselves enough credit in many areas for the strength we have because it doesn't seem like the connection should be made to something else. But if you can be strong in one area, you can translate that to almost any other area of your life. There's this public
1: speaker, his name is Josh Ship,
0: and he speaks to
1: teens, and mm. he's been doing this for a very long time. And I, watched one of his t- TED Talks a couple months ago. And he was talking about something along the same lines of what you're, you're referencing right now, basically, which is seeing something as a negative in ourselves, like being stubborn. And he's saying a lot of times adults see something in kids that's a negative. Mm-hmm. And he says, what's crazy is this thing that was negative about me when I was younger. And he said he was like a class clown. He would get up in front of the class. He always wanted everybody's attention. He said, well, that same quality has given me this career where I'm, you know, he's extremely successful yeah. as a teen speaker. And he's like, I use that same qualities that the teacher said, he's going to be a failure. He's never going to make it. He's a class clown. That's allowed me to be one of the best public speakers in the teen space in the world. Right. And he says, every quality, even the negative qualities has a positive application if we choose to see that. And and do something with that quality that we typically only label as negative. So I love that you're saying that. I think that that's a huge thing for people to try to recognize in themselves and in one another. That might be an an annoying habit or quality, but there's got to be a positive application to it that could actually lead to maybe the thing that you should be doing with your life. You know?
0: Yep.
2: You know, when I was a kid, my mom used to always, anytime somebody said a kid was stubborn, she would always correct them to say that they're willful because she always wanted it to be a positive spin on what seems like a negative trait, right? And I yeah. think she did that for a few other things, but but it was a very conscious way that for her to remind herself and the people, everyone that like, you're seeing a kid's negative behavior because you don't like how it's being applied in this situation, not because yeah. of necessarily yeah. like the quality itself, you know? And uh, I, I want to ask you about the alcoholism and, and just sort of that experience and how hard it was to come out of it. Because, you know, I guess I, I do you feel like, the alcoholism and running, you've, you've mentioned that there's a connection in the sense of your ability to endure each of them. It sort of ha- has a connection. But do you think the alcoholism was sort of filling a void in your life? Or what role was the alcoholism playing in, in your life when you were at maybe at, at your worst with it? Yeah. And how did you go about sort of recognizing that and then pulling yourself out of it? We could probably talk about that for a while. Um, <laughs> but I feel like... Um,
0: so starting off you know, in, in that journey of, you know, the alcoholic ex- experience was like mid high school. And the moment that I drank for the first time, like I cared less about uh, stuff that, you know, that, that I really thought mattered to me, you know? And I didn't care really what people thought. And it was really freeing, you know? And I felt like a free moment. And so I was immediately, like we were fast friends and that just worked out for me. And I think that like starting at, with the connection that I had with alcohol so early that just made me feel less inhibited, I, I just grew with it and to some extent, it was just more of a, this is who I am. And it was part of my identity. And if I let that thing go, you know, who would I be? You know, and,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and would I have to care about all the things that I used to care about? Or would I, I think it was just an easy way for me to live like how I was living Uh, do the things that I would do and use it as an excuse or a reason to do something. You know, like if I did it, look at hindsight, but oh, well, maybe I was drinking or I want to do something, but maybe think I don't have the courage to do it. And so I would drink. It played many roles in any given day, but I I was always used for something that I felt like I was lacking, you know, Mm -hmm. and everybody's had trauma in their lives. And I think that I used alcohol in a lot of ways to fill certain spots of heartache. You know, my dad passed when I was eight, he was 39. And that's played a really big role of where I am today as well. And it's just the relationship with alcohol was so toxic and intertwined in who I thought I was and who I thought I wanted to be, you know, and if that connected with my father because he drank and my grandfather drank and everybody said, you know, Tom Bailey's, you know, y'all drink you know like that's what you do wow. um, and mm. I'm the third and so my son's the fourth and so it's a loaded question for me because I feel like in certain mm-hmm. moments also I could say it was filling the gap because and you know, my dad passed heartache stuff like that but then also I gotta be real because I think that a lot of people use a thing like alcoholism or addiction and say and place it on this one big event you know and I know very well that it had something to do with that but you know, at 31 when I was drinking, was it because of that still? Or was it because of that? It, I used it for other things, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm like rambling or it's just so much. So that's why I kind of had to figure out a way to back out of that.
1: Well, I don't know a lot about this, this term that I'm going to use, but I'm trying to learn more about it. And Brian actually could probably speak very well to this. So we talked a little bit about this before you joined us for this conversation today, but there's this thing called identity-based habits. Mm -hmm. And I first learned about it from this author named James Clear, who I think he wrote this book, Atomic Habits, right, Mm -hmm. Brian? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. And so he talks about what little I understand about it. The thing that I felt was somewhat applicable to this conversation today was how we see ourselves really determines the choices that we make. Mm -hmm. And when you said you identified who you were with alcohol, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a really profound statement because the moment you stop identifying who you are with that, you have to replace, well, who are you then? And Mm -hmm. and find something else to attach your identity to. And I mean, we're going to unpack this, but obviously running is a big part of that, You know, Mm -hmm. in terms of how you see yourself, in terms of who you are today. And I just wanted to point that out, that that this idea of identity-based Habits and what we choose to do is based on how we see ourselves. So we have to see ourselves differently to choose and do different things. And I don't know what the order is in terms of how that goes, but I just kind of wanted to bring that up. But I don't know if you guys can sp- either one of you could speak yeah. to that, but I just wanted to bring that up.
0: I think some habits, like if your habit is tapping your finger or whatever, that's a little different. Some habits are so outward facing, like alcoholism or addiction, or there's many habits that if you are the person that does this thing, people feel it and know it and it's very it comes with you it's there you know and and it's very obvious and i I wish i could step out of my skin at those times and see what other people actually saw because you know alcohol and drugs it it alters your perception of like what you think you look like and how you're presenting yourself so this person i was presenting you know there was a very long period of time where alcohol was a fun thing for me to do you know and I think all of us have had like those moments where like, that one time we drank, we had a really great time. And I had a lot of those great times. And I thought that I was building like this person that I kind of wanted to be and was funny and, and could talk without worrying about what somebody else said. And at some point, you know, that shifts because alcohol has a long-term effect and you starts to switch to, you know, maybe you're not that person you think you are. You think you're funny, mm-hmm. you think all these things, but maybe everybody else saw something like, you know, something much different but it's really scary. It's terrifying to be in that position to want to stop drinking. And the thing that keeps popping up is, but who will I be? How do you even live without this thing now? You know. And it seems silly maybe for someone that hasn't had this issue or drinks occasionally and is has no problem with it. But when you're attached to that one feeling or that one thing that you think that you are for years and years, it's really tough to imagine A life without it and luckily or by the blessings you know i was able to figure out that you know maybe i'm the same person just less controlled by an uncontrollable substance right
2: what exactly did you do something in particular it sounds like you kind of Knew that you needed to make this change for a while, but was there anything you did that was sort of a breakthrough to help you actually get you over the hump and make that change in your lifestyle? No, I think it
0: was really a bunch of different times where I would want to stop drinking and I'd say, okay, New Year's resolution this year is I'm not going to drink for a month, just 30 days, you could do it. You know, so forget the fact that there's 31 days in January, just 30 days. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know. And so, like, I would last maybe four days, two days, you know, whatever, and then have all these excuses to do it again, or I'm not going to drink during the week. I mean, all these different times where, like, you would just set up this goal where you wanted to get to, and it seemed easy in your mind when you wanted to do it because you were just hung over and tired of it, and you just what weren't able to do it. And to the point where, like, nothing actually happened, thank God I didn't, like, run off the road or really, I didn't get any trouble, I didn't get pulled over, no ticket, no jail time, you know, no illness, you know, really. But for me, it was too many consecutive days of just feeling, you know, mm-hmm. like I woke up this day and I lost, you know, like as soon as I picked up a drink that day, it was, I took an L and I was it. Oh. And then, you know, maybe I'll try again tomorrow, you know, and it, it, it was even less positive than that. It was just like, I can't do anything. And it was mm-hmm. too much of that moment where I just felt like I was just taking one loss after another. And I finally was like, I just need something different, and I don't know how I'm gonna do it. One New Year's Eve, I talked to my friend. He drinks as well, and I'm like, "Hey, you want to do a two weeks? Let's do two weeks." He's like, "Yeah, let's do it. We're good." Um, And it's important to have friends too, even though he drank as well. He somehow knew that him also stopping for this two weeks could maybe help me. Possibly, I don't know what he was thinking, but it did. And so, like, I got four days in. We went to his house. No one's drinking, or uh, like my wife is drinking, or something like that. And then. Everybody went to sleep because we stayed over there. And then I woke up at like two in the morning. I don't think I've ever told this story. So I woke up at two in the morning, everybody's asleep. And I just was like, I think I should just have a drink, you know? And the middle of the night, I'm drinking like vodka or whatever, at like two in the morning, and then just woke up so sad and just kind of disgusted with where I was, you know, at that moment, um, because I had all the support in the world to not do it. And I did it anyway. So at that moment, I was like, I have to make a change because, you know, who knows, I could end up like my dad at one point, not here, you know, for my kids. And then it, it started, it just got really real, really quick. And so what I did was I reached out to like, I, I encourage all people to do like, you know, employee assistance program. If you have a job that a lot of them have that and you just reach out to that and they'll, they'll call and they'll figure out like what you need. And they got me hooked up with somebody. I told them the truth on the phone about like how much I drank. And that's the part of that's another thing, too, is like no matter what the habit is, it's not like everybody's a drinker out there, but whatever thing you're trying to break, you have to tell the truth. At some point, you got to tell the truth out loud. We all know what we're going through, but somehow you have to find someone somewhere, stranger, hotline, something to say, here's what I'm actually doing. You know, and that moment for me telling the truth to them, they actually ended up getting me as a therapist that was a, a drug abuse and then also family counselor. So I went to talk to her, I told her again the truth, like, yep, uh, I didn't drink today though because I knew I was coming to you, so I didn't drink this morning. And she said, hey, you know, if you wanna go to an AA meeting next this coming up Sunday, it was like a Wednesday, if you wanna go, I know a guy, he's cool, you should just go with him, check it out, You may not fit in, but you may. And I decided I wasn't gonna drink between then and that day because she told me a bunch of stuff about myself that I, without me telling her, she knew my story enough because she had talked to enough of me before and see, so she knew what to say. And I decided I wasn't going to drink from that day, at least to the Sunday. You know, it was like, who does that? And then goes to a meeting in the middle, drinks in the middle of that. Managed to make that happen. And then went, went into this meeting with maybe 20 something people in it. Only black person in the room. Probably the, the with the least amount of money in my pocket. You know, they all like had their lives look like they had it figured out. Didn't didn't look like the room that I, that I seen on TV. You know, everybody's sad and crazy. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of those rooms out there too, but um, this one just didn't happen to be that. So I had nothing in common with these people. I heard one story after another that sounded like it was a movie placed there for me. Like, how is this 65 year old white guy who probably drives like a Maserati outside, how did did he just say exactly how I feel about alcohol? And then one after another did the same thing over and over to the point where I said, this is who I am, this is where I belong. And from that point on, um, just, that was the moment and i just did not look back since then
2: Tommy i want to first of all i want to thank you for sharing that because i think it's really probably i I imagine it's hard right to go back to those times a little bit and relive them and and admit them you know uh, in public and stuff but i think um you know it resonates with me in part because uh my father was a smoker who tried so many times to quit smoking and couldn't Mm -hmm. stop smoking and Mm -hmm. a lot of his challenges were i think habit and routine based, not not in the sense of maybe identity. I don't know if, if it made as much as like, I'm a smoker sort of identity, but I think it was his daily routine was filled with all these triggers to have cigarettes. It's like, when mm-hmm. I finish this task, I have a cigarette. When I do this, I have a cigarette. When I do this, I have a cigarette. And then, you know, you quit for a while, but those triggers are always still there in your life. And it, it makes yeah. it really hard to, to do that. And I guess I'm really conscious of this, this, this dual challenge. One is you have to make the decision yourself. Like you have to own it mm-hmm. and you have to you have to do all the inner things, the personal things to be truthful, like you said, and to make the decisions you need to make. And then at the same time, you have to somehow shift your environment so that it's not leading you back into this thing. Yes. So it's not you, creating obstacles for you to overcome via willpower alone, right? And it sounds like you found that connection between the, the external support and the internal drive mm-hmm. to sort of get yourself over the hump, I guess is, right. what, is how I interpret it. 100%. Yeah, 100%.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just tough. I mean, because there's so many people that just feel like they're alone. But even if you physically live by yourself, I mean, when you're ready, there's so many people out there that are, you know, are like you in some way. So there's always ways to connect in connecting with others that are at least attempting to get to the same place that you are is, is extremely uh, helpful. Are there two or three moments between when you actually had
1: that first a meeting to where you are now like that stands out to you as far as support from friends and family that recognized that you wanted to make this change. Is there any like moments with anybody that stands out to you that, that you
0: might want to share with us? I think there's a bunch of different little random things that just mean so much. Um, especially in the first year, people like my mom and my wife would be like, hey, happy two months or Three months or something simple, yeah. Um, but I think it was, it's odd because like everything since I decided to go this direction, um, have been such like a, a whirlwind because I felt like I was doing nothing for so long. Like I mean, I did well. Like I was had a job. I mean, I was moving up. I did really well in my job. I still have that job, you know. And um, <laughs> it, it makes a career. Like I call it a job. It's like a thing. But like I did a lot. I feel like before then, but i never was able to give me credit you know it was always Mm -hmm. like obviously i did it but like i just never was able to at the time give me credit because like oh if they only knew that i drank before i walked in this door for this you know to come into work it was always pinned on like if they found out that who i really am it wouldn't be enough you know um since from that day everything after that was me you know like it's all on you there is no you know there's nothing there's i mean you are doing the right thing so far so um, after that moment i just started working out started doing all these other different things that just filled me up really and that journey has been so quick and fast it seemed like that all these moments that like i would have to look back on for support it seemed like with when running came along that's when people really saw what life for me could be like without drinking and just i have to give so much credit to the aa family because walking into a room every week for years to be so supported and like you miss a couple of weeks because of something and then everybody's like worried, like, are you okay? Um, because there's not that many people that can really relate to the worry of an alcoholic to another alcoholic because we just know how quick it can be. I mean, I've been in, you, know, you hear stories in movies, let's just be based on movies, but you hear people that will go 20 years and one day decide that they're good. And then they're not and bad things happen. And so it was really those rooms walking in and just having that support and the people that cared about my sobriety directly. Because I have on my Instagram page, like I think that I'll always lead with sober, you know, I'll always lead with, you know, black, sober husband, dad. And mm-hmm. I think without the sobriety part, I don't think I'd be here, let alone be a husband and be a good dad or whatever. Yeah. Sobriety is the choice that allows any of this to happen. There's nothing without it, you know? So that's the biggest thing for me.
2: You mentioned that running became a a habit or a routine that kind of filled you up and showed you what your life could be in some Mm -hmm. sense. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into running?
0: So when I stopped drinking, like you had this energy and before I wanted to work out, but you, you don't have a gin and tonic and then go work out typically. So I'm like, hey, now that I'm not drinking, let's go to the gym. So I started going to the gym. Um, cause you know, actually like if you saw older pictures of me, my face looked a little bit bigger. Cause like you just had that, you know, the extra weight and weird spots type of thing. So I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go to the gym. So I started doing that it really actually got really like kind of buff and big. Like, um, it's funny to look back at like the size that I was before. And then, uh, a client of mine, uh, then I went vegan because of a challenge. My sister-in-law said, Hey, let's go vegan for a week or two weeks. And then, so I said, sure, let's do it, whatever. And then a little bit into that, I realized like, she said vegetarian. So I was eating eggs and cheese still and uh, milk. And then um, three days into it, I'm like, well, I might as well just get rid of these three things and just try it out, see how I feel. And then after that, I started feeling a difference almost like within three four days of that and like immediate surge of energy. Um, and I had never felt anything like it. So I'm like, well, let's go a little farther with this. Watch that movie. What the health? And then it kind of like described why I feel such a difference between because I was still eating somewhat healthy, you know, going to the gym for a year you know, cause you want to get buff and big. So you're eating like, you know, chicken, rice, veggies. Right. So yeah. like I thought I was eating pretty good. And then so for me to have like, that big energy boost from just, you know, taking that food away, the movie kind of like told me, Hey, here's why you feel this way. So I just stuck with it. Uh, a client of mine said, Hey, you're fit. You can do it. You want to run a half marathon with me, Chicago rock and roll half marathon 2018, um, to raise some money for a charity. I said, sure, yeah. I mean, well, first, a client says to do something. So you say yes and go do it and have fun. But then I'm like, I'm up for the challenge. So I started to train, air quotes on train, because, you know, like you have no idea what training looks like when you first start running, which meant for me, I'm just get out the door, run as fast as you can, come back, brag about it, do it again, try to go farther, the same speed, (laughs) do it again. And then I ended up getting hurt because I was running in like some, like, she was that just have no business, you know, running long distance, but ended up running the race anyway with a, a stress fracture in like one of my metatarsals. So I just ran it mm-hmm. anyway, put some KT tape up the shin, was fine the whole race, and then limped all the way back to the hotel in Chicago. Tommy, ah, um, oh, but- <laughs> don't don't you taking me back to a moment when I ran and it broke uh, my yeah, third metatarsal. No. That stuff is painful, Tommy. Yeah, no, <laughs> oh, man, so it, it's tough. But like, I went to the doctor though, and she's like, yeah. Um, you probably shouldn't run anymore. This is before the race. And I'm like, well, the race is in three weeks. So, um, what can I do? And she looked right at me. She's like, you're going to run it anyway. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, because (laughs) I'm like, yeah, like, you know, so I ran it anyway, took a lot of time off afterwards. But the point was I didn't die in the race. You know, I had this crazy goal of like, you know, 135 for your first half. I didn't know what the goal should have been. I ended up running 149, which isn't bad at all for somebody's first half. And so I got a lot of feedback on that, like how good that was for a first time, and I felt good doing it. Like you know, I cried crossing the finish line, and my family was there. So I'm like, hey, this could be something, and it was very uh, gratifying. Like you don't know, you don't go to the gym for me. Maybe somebody does. You know, you don't go to the gym and like bench your max and then get up and cry because you feel so proud of yourself. You know. <laughs> maybe maybe (laughs) somebody out there does it (laughs) no shade to the guy who just cried today you know no (laughs) No shade no shade you know there's a lady out there that just squatted her max and she cried you know no shade at all but you know it was it was like this moment of like and it's a long journey even though 13.1 like running for an hour and 49 minutes is just it's a lot of time to think it's a lot of time to you know to just go through you know all these these emotions um and i just said hey like i can let's just see what else is go you know there i'll sign up for another race and then that just kind of rolled from there and then i was just traded the gym for for because i was going to the gym six days i mean that's what i'm saying that's like the the addiction addictive personality like i was going to the gym six seven days a week you know um because yeah. yes. i figured at the time if i can drink every day i can go to the gym every day and then now I run six days a week. So it's a, it's a little, I'm i I'm a little sick. <laughs> I think that's a really cool point though. Um, in, in terms of what you're saying, like
1: how you used your time, how you looked at time, basically you're like, well, I've obviously, I, I had all this time to drink now I don't drink. So I have all this time to do something else. So I, let me replace it with something and you replaced it with working out. And that's our daily schedules. Like if we look at 24 hours, 24 hours are 24 hours, you know, and, If you actually look at what you do for 24 hours and and you have all the excuses about why you don't work out or something else, you're going to be kind of disappointed in terms of like all these excuses you were making. And you're going, well, I probably don't have to spend an hour on Instagram, that same (laughs) hour on Instagram, not knocking Instagram or anything else. But I'm just saying like you could do Instagram and sit on a, a stationary bike. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. at least move <laughs> instead yeah. of sitting on the couch right yeah, so exactly. if you look at the way you're using your time th- yes I think you're a hundred percent right in that example when you take something out you can replace it with something better and still you know uh, have time for all the other stuff that you have going on mm-hmm. in your day so I, I just wanted to say I thought that was a really good example
2: yep yeah, yeah also Tommy, you know you you mentioned that you're just kind of like an addictive personality I think everybody who feels full is filling their life with something, right? Like it, it could be the people in their lives. It could be something like running, which plays a big role for me and in my life as well is getting out there. And I don't even have to be training for a specific goal. It's just like, it's just an activity that I do that that helps to fill me up, right? Like it's the, the, yeah. at that basic level. Yeah. But I think um, finding that activity is essential because if you don't find that activity, you're more likely to find something like alcohol or something else that fills that void in a negative way because exactly we're all looking for something right so you've taken this this uh running journey pretty far like you're you're super involved in your community you're you're looking at you behind you've got 100 pairs of shoes behind you you've got a podcast you've got a, a company can you tell us a little bit more about some of your projects you're working on right now and sort of how you got into them after you got started in running
0: Uh, Well, so just like I'll try to do a crash course. So when I started running and I was, you know, I kind of, I didn't grow up in the Instagram era or whatever, but, you know, started using it a lot. And even before I started running, I was doing like cooking stuff and posting pictures just for like people to like it, you know, like that thing. So, I mean, it's silly, but we all know how good it feels to like post a picture of our run or something like that. And people give us you know, high fives and thumbs ups and, and comments and stuff like that. It's it's a really cool way to connect with people and, and get support on that side of things. So I was just doing that with the running and posting a lot of pictures and having fun and, just you know, making videos and stuff like that. And just being myself and just trying to be open and have, have some fun with it. Um, and then, as I started to kind of grow a following or just connect with more people through Instagram, I started seeing you know more like there's there's more here and there's other people that are in this space that are like doing stuff and they're the ones they're connecting and, and giving information to people and helping people having fun they got a wall of shoes behind them you know, like i just saw that there's more to this but um so i ended up getting if i jump back a little bit so i ended up getting connected with like with my friends here at we run three on three um big big group of uh, of young black folks running and it's it's just a really dope vibe really cool so i really connected with them and had a lot of fun you know just running putting up miles and gaining some friends out of it um and then 2020 happens like so I'm really into running I had run my first marathon ran 313 in October 2019 and had early in 2019 I decided like hey I'm going to run Boston 2021 so like that was what really catapulted me into this like serious journey of documenting it you know taking pictures sharing it trying to keep myself hyped up For this long road to get to 2021. Um, And then 2020 happens doing really well, supposed to run a race in April of 2020. And that was going to be when I qualified for Boston. Uh, It got canceled because of COVID. And then, but right around that same time, uh, you know, the Ahmaud Arbery happens, the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, it just gets pushed back to the forefront where it should have been. And then COVID, people are losing their jobs, losing their lives, all type of stuff. And it was like this really this big whirlwind moment where I realized, like, I can't give my director of blah, blah, blah job to my kids um, if I were to, you know, to, you know, if I died because of COVID or something like that or for any reason for that matter. And then also with them being black children, looking at TV and talking about this stuff in classes, I was like, I need my kids to see. I need us to have a sense of ownership of something like, and no matter if it's small, big, or at least see their black father, try something a little more different than what he's already doing. Cause I was already, I guess I was already different enough. Sober vegan, black runner, like that's, that's different enough. Um, but so I decided to like, Hey, I got this little idea. I want to start a clothing company. And it was really not really a clothing company. I just said, I wanted to sell shirts. And then that turned into a little bit more. I got a lot of support. Um, so I was selling the shirts through chip time running. And then the shirts, say run, eat, sleep, repeat on them. And which, I mean, I heard uh, one of the announcers say like during a race or something like that, I think Ellie could show he was running. And <laughs> it just, it resonated a lot because like, I mean, that's really what runners do. I mean, they run, eat, sleep and repeat. And if you do that consistently, run smart, eat healthy, sleep and recover like a pro and do it with some consistency on the repeat side, then your chip times will come down. Cause that's what we're all about. Is like, you know, chip time and PR and all this other stuff. So it all connected. And then I realized that people really don't know what run, eat, sleep looks like really, you know, cause even at the time I didn't really, I thought I was, I was eating healthy, but was I running smart? Was I endangering myself to, you know, to get hurt? Was I recovering sleeping well? No. So then I started the show run, eat, sleep show. And that's when I was started to talk to people directly about running, eating and sleeping and like figuring out how you do this thing. It started off really like as a project. And I just wanted to share some information and talk directly to a runner, then a, then a dietitian and then a, a, a physical therapist and i was doing it monday wednesday friday every week for like wow. three months and i was like or not three months even i think i was like got to the maybe two months and so like hey this is a lot like three three shows a week is a lot for me with all the stuff yeah. that i got going on um so i kind of backed out to one show a week or one show every other week and then i i think i accidentally got like somebody really good on the show one time it was like an actual professional runner i think i think i jumped in somebody's dms and they said yeah sure i'll do it um, so I was like, you know, shocked and had like, you know, started to have really cool people on the show. And I've had some really great names on on the show. And that kind of pushed me into this other thing where if name like, drop like, it, come on, Tommy. Don't tease us, name drop, right. man. Um, like, so I've had like, um, I've had Sarah Hall, just had Des Linden on the show, had Abdi, Abdurrahman. Um, I had Meb on the show, Meb Kosleski. Um, I had Kira D'Amato on the show. It's like, I didn't feel like if I'm missing a name, but I just had so many really cool people on the show, like Jared Ward. Jared Ward was actually probably one of my favorite uh, episodes because I thought that Jared was going to be more doctor-ish because he's a smart guy and he's thinking about numbers. And I'm thinking he was going to be so up in the clouds with this running numbers thing. So I'm thinking, like, oh, this is going to be a weird show. Um, but then... He's the most down to earth person, super cool, and shared a lot of things that he thinks about during a race or a run that I think about and that all of us think about. And and it really reminded me that like these people are normal people. They just happen to move their legs much faster than us over the distance, you know, but they all think the same things. Like there's moments in a race where they don't think they're going to finish the race, but then they ended up pushing through that wall and making it to the, uh, on the Olympic team, you know? But so that the show happened and it was still happening and that kind of pushed me into like the influencer type of vibe. And I kind of just leaned into that because I also saw that there's not a lot of black folks out here in that space. I'm not There are, but they're not, not enough in my opinion with a show or working with brands directly to promote our voice and how we feel and how we talk uh, about things. So I just leaned into that and that's like all the shoes are behind me because I've ended up using my day job skills to talk to brands and figure out how we can work together and it's been a really fun wild roller coaster of a of a ride
1: yeah I just want to uh, talk about just just briefly because I know we're getting close to the the end of our time with you Tommy first of all, it's so easy to listen to you talk you tell your story and different aspects of it extremely well first of all I just want to acknowledge that but but second as an African American runner myself I've always had um I don't know, I've always struggled to uh, understand how to, I guess, talk about being a black runner Mm -hmm. and how to inspire more African-Americans and even just as importantly, other minorities in the United States specifically to participate in this sport because I started running when I was 14. Mm -hmm. I, I was inspired to chase the Olympic dream and I didn't see a lot of similar faces and bodies like mine. And so... I, I wanted to be one of the first to, to do what I was trying to do, but that I didn't really think about that till after I did a lot of the stuff that I did. What does all that mean to you just to be able to uh,
0: champion that effort, you know? And where do you see it going? Uh, it means it means a lot. Um, I definitely understand it like, because in the beginning, it wasn't, it was more about what I needed to have done, you know, like, cause I wasn't yeah. the first few years, it was just nothing, you know, kind of nothing. Um, And, you know, 2020 did wake up a lot of people of all races to see, like, to remind us what's really here, what we have going on. And I think that, you know, my goal is to tell my story as much as possible uh, Mm -hmm. and be be open and honest. And, I mean, I think that a lot of times when we, like, try to champion something, we get into, like, a preaching mode where we're, like, you know, we're trying to convince people this is what needs to happen or, you know, and Mm -hmm. and that's not where I want to go. And I'm just not that person, so... What I want to do is just tell my story because there's so many people, um, minorities in particular, that have many of the different issues or things that have happened to them, you know, in their lives, like I have. So if the more I tell the fact that my dad passed it when I was when I was young, and yeah. too many of us are familiar with that, anybody in general, but for you know for the most part minorities too, just to speak to that. Um, so I think that if we hold back and I just say, Hey, get out there and run because I run that's, I think that's whack. You know, I think it's like, look what, look where running has taken to me in particular. You know, I'm not, I didn't, I didn't start running in, you know, in, in middle school or high school, which I wish I had now at this point. But I think that it's like, once people see that running, isn't just running. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like it's not um some like a lot of the brands want to get runners out to the start lines which is great. You know, we want to see more, more people out there, but at the same time, I don't think if somebody told me like at, you know, five, six years ago, before I started running that, you know, the problem with like, you know, the, the Detroit free press is not enough. Black people are there or something like that. I've been like, you know, it's not my, it's not my problem, but you know, mm-hmm. if you start, if you, if, if I can create a future for myself um, while bringing people along with me on that journey, then I think people will start to see more of, more of me's out there doing it and then the thus more of a future in running because when you start when you show people a future in something then people start saying oh okay well maybe i can do that like for you john i'll never run a, a 340 anything for a mile it's just not gonna be you know i didn't start early enough it's just not a thing and i'm right. okay with that for sure and so i think that we need people like you that are are just you know out of this world fast that did it from the beginning like we could have or should have and then we also need people like me who started later and use running as a tool to kind of like repair their lives repair their relationships repair their future and to kind of close the gap coming from another direction because if Elliot Kipchoge sits up here and tells like a group of young kids in Detroit that you know running is good and running running is good for the human race I don't know how well that's going to stick. You know, I don't I don't know how connected I can be to that as a young black kid from Detroit. You know, if, if I can't if I can't identify with it, I can't do anything with it. Right. Like you fast, like you fast. Like, and we could be, yeah. too, you know, because like basketball, for instance, the dream is to go be in the NBA. But because there's so many of us doing that, it's like the path that we go to. But then if you look at basketball outside of that, there's many people that go just go to college because they play basketball through high school. Mm-hmm. And then they use that as the conduit to get to be the lawyer or to this and to that. Or they have all these experiences. Um and there's so many avenues that people go through because they played basketball and they don't they don't play anymore. They never made it to the NBA. They didn't even go to college sometimes, but they went to, you know, they they use basketball in that in that lane. And I think that the more avenues we show within the running industry with black people in it that's the way that I think more people just naturally gravitate towards running because they see themselves in many different ways. If the only person I see that's black is running is leading the marathon and doing stuff that the announcers on TV say is almost impossible. I'm cheering for you, but you know, I'm not Michael Jordan. I'm not jumping from the free throw line. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, so you need other people around that, that use this thing to get to somewhere. And, and I don't think that a bunch of people are watching me. But I would love to know that maybe I affected a couple of people to say, oh, running has more of a future. Maybe I should make a video. Maybe I should make some content. Maybe I do have a shot at calling ASICs
2: to say, hey, I got this idea, you know, something like that. Maybe. It's just maybe in some way, running can make my life better too. That's it. And in a way that works for them. No, you're 100%. I'm actually really, uh, I absolutely love your answer to to John's question there because it's 100% the way I feel we should approach things like sports is not with the necessarily the goal to become professionals, but it's the goal to become better and to create opportunities for ourselves yep. it, either in terms of you know improving how we think about ourselves or, or how we think about, I don't know, solving problems and overcoming obstacles and stuff. Right. Um, yeah. Tommy, you know, we went long. Obviously I told you we we're going to have a shorter podcast in this, but I, I think Good. John and I are both super excited to be able to chat with you and everything you're saying just resonates with me. Uh, I do want to, ask you our final question and as we named this podcast fueling the pursuit and obviously you are pursuing the marathon coming up you know you're you're full on in it um what last piece of advice would you give to our audience to help fuel the mindset that they need to have success in their lives
0: wow um i guess i would just say whenever you don't feel like you can do something or you feel like it's too big for you or it's like a long shot or you just don't deserve it or something like that. Because we all go through those like iterations in our heads. I mean, I think it's just look back at moments in your life when you were that person, you know, whether it's small or big, you know, and fortunately and unfortunately, I was able to look back at uh, a drinking career that allowed me to see something in myself that I could spend to to use. And my daughter, I'll just, i just always use her as an example because she's kind of reminds me of me, like not wanting to do stuff. But we kind of forced her into this bowling thing and she did not want to do it. N- nowhere near she she thought she was going to be terrible. Um, long story short, she was terrified when she went into the room. She almost walked back out the bowling alley the first time. And then by the end of the season, now she's got like a bunch of friends that are seniors and she played in a few different tournaments, had fun and probably one of one of these really great experiences. And my, my goal is to teach her that no matter what the thing is, um, always remember that girl that walked into the bowling alley who was terrified and who wanted to walk back out. You know that same girl did the things after. You're not separate. You're the same person. You're the same person that was terrified, and you're also the same person that finished the season and did and did pretty pretty well. So I think that my advice for people in fueling their pursuit is to always. Look and see who they really are and have been at certain points of their lives, and use those things. Because no incident is isolated with us. You're not amazing at this one thing, and then you're just terrible at life. You know, you you can use the success in running if you can put one foot in front of the other often, and use that as fuel to say maybe I can treat my career like I did running and get this this path or this plan. And that's what I've been learning too in my journey is. If I can do all this stuff with running and run six days a week and blah, 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 I can probably start a company, maybe. And I probably could do a podcast. And then this newest thing we're doing, the PR project, and that's you can is involved with that, which is great because I love the stuff. <laughs> but we're not. But tell doing us it. about
2: that. Tell us about that real quick. Yeah. By all means, so, tell us what oh, you're
0: PR, PR project right now is 16 episodes that we're doing, and we started it on the first week of our training. My training partner, Aaron, and I. It's a live show every Sunday at 5 p.m. on on YouTube, Eastern Standard Time. Um, But we talk about training. We talk about shoes. A bunch of brands have reached out and said, hey, you know, try these shoes out. Let us know how you you like them. So we do like little reviews. And then we also talk about topics of the day or topics of the week based on where we are in training. And it's just been a really cool vibe. And throughout the process, we've been using UCAN on all levels from the energy stuff to the, the on the go or the edge. And then obviously my favorite is the protein plus energy because as a parent, uh, okay, as a parent though, you need like, or maybe not a parent, like as a human being that has other stuff to do, like, you know, we, we, don't, <laughs> we don't all get to go home and take a nap after a workout. So I love taking the protein and then also having that energy in it because normally you are like just done after a long run. Like I don't want to do anything, but I feel like with that, I'm able to take the protein and kind of keep going throughout the day and at least get me through my other responsibilities. Um, Amen to that. Yeah. Amen to that, Tommy. I love that about the UCAM products and specifically yep. the protein and energy.
1: Yes, uh-huh. I've experienced that. It replaces the afternoon coffee that you might want to get.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because then if Seriously. Then you don't have any trouble going to sleep, it, it's all it's all there. Like the the math yeah. is there. Yeah. But yeah, so the, the PR project is going really well. And we're just having a really great time ramping up for both of our races. But to answer your question, you know, don't count yourself out. Always look for those moments where you've shined or you've done something that you maybe didn't think you could and just change the subject or change the focus and use that same that same person who did that, which is you, and go after it.
2: Tommy, I love it. I really, that your your answer is yeah, well 100% to the message that I want people to take. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, for being so open and sharing your journey and the wisdom you gained from it. We really appreciate it.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the time and you guys are doing great things. And the concept of the show, Feeling in Pursuit is just so perfect because, I mean, obviously it's a fun way to go at it, but we're all trying to figure out how to get where we want to go, whether it's a PR or just or make it to Boston or whatever. So I really do appreciate being a part of this. Tommy, we're proud of you, man. Great to know you and, and thank you
1: for being on the show with us today. Uh, you really are a true inspiration. For more people than you probably even realize. So keep up chasing the goals. Keep having big goals. And I love all the projects that you're doing. We'll make sure to link as much as we can in the show notes for this episode when we publish it. And direct more people to support what you're doing. Because it's absolutely inspiring and beautiful, man. So keep it up. And Tommy, thank you again, man. Seriously. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fueling the Pursuit presented by Ucan. For both athletes and active people, controlling blood sugar is the key to optimizing focus, performance, and recovery. Thankfully, UCAN has developed a patented ingredient known as Superstarch to help deliver long-lasting energy while stabilizing blood sugar levels. So to properly fuel your pursuit with both the right nutrition and with the right food for thought, make sure to visit UCAN.co forward slash podcast to subscribe to our podcast show, to see our current lineup of upcoming guests and of course to learn more about UCAN's amazing products. Please continue to listen because we have some bonus content for you guys. We have a short Q&A conversation with Tommy about how he uses UCAN to optimize his training and competition results and Brian and I do a quick recap of what stood out to us from our conversation with him today.
2: All right, Tommy, we went a little long speaking with you, but I'm so glad we did. I love talking about everything, your journey, your life, your perspective. It's amazing and and it resonates with me. It's exactly the type of message I want to get across to people. And you already talked a little bit in the episode near the end about your use of UCAN, the protein plus energy. Can you fill us in a little bit more? Like, how, how did you get introduced to UCAN and how do you use it today in your training?
0: Well, I first got introduced to UCAN because I you know, brought up earlier Sarah Hall. Um, I, we ended up doing a giveaway on the show, uh, on the Run, Eat, Sleep show, and I was able to get my hands on a little bit of it. But most recently, I interviewed Meb. So this podcast has really paid off for me. I interviewed Meb, and I ended up getting connected with somebody at UCAN who I told about the PR project, and they were able to help me out with that and said, hey, we'd love to fuel that pursuit. You know, I was like, so literally. And I've been using it, and I was, you know, diehard, another brand for sure. And i'm like there's no way i could do anything else other than that um so i'm like hey i'll try it out for sure and meet my friend and i were you know, kind of not hesitant but like yeah sure we'll give it a shot and see what happens but i, I had to figure out what, what i used i use the uh, the energy first um i do it like maybe an hour or so before a run um it says like 40 minutes but the way that my like bladder works like, i gotta make sure i get enough enough <laughs> of time ahead of time but i feel like the, the energy prior to the run really does help out because you know i it's really important, especially when you start like racking up miles, training for a marathon or half or whatever you're training for. It's super important to like go into every run in the beginning feeling decent. You know, like you don't want to have to wait mm-hmm. till like mile three or four to take a gel to feel better. So I think that's super important that I don't feel jittery or whatever. It's like a smooth energy. And then during the runs that we always take the edge, which is by far the easiest gel to take in motion. And it, that's big. Like, you know, you don't want anything gooey or weird, but the edge has been great. And it's, the strawberry banana tastes amazing which always (laughs) helps in like a tough day and then also at the end obviously we use the protein plus energy I love that it it covers all the ground you know like you don't have to go find a different one of these and a different one of these to figure out the whole piece you know you can has everything that you need from start to finish of a run and even like the hydration later you know and I feel like they just planned it out perfectly one-stop shop just go to the website and get what you need and that's like that's all you got that's all you need
2: any particular advice or things that worked well for you in the sense of getting started with it i I always think about someone who's going to introduce something into their training for the first time what was your approach to that
0: well i mean i think i just jump right in i mean i I would always make sure that like i started with it on easier stuff if you're in the thick of things i wouldn't necessarily say hey your first workout try something new just like a race day don't try anything new so check things out on your easy run and a lot of times for me in the training process is like practice race day as often as possible you know so don't just try it once in training and then pull out all your six gels on race day um unfortunately you may have to invest a little bit and buy a few packs of this and try it throughout the process because your body changes as you go through and you you know you may like one gel one race and you know two months later same you know different race but same gel you may not like it so try it throughout the process kind of use it and practice what you're going to do on race day. So that's my only thing is always use it as much as possible so your body's very familiar so you know if you're going to have any issues race day or not. And if you do have issues, you're able to work through
1: them. Exactly. I was going to say, the more you test it out and really try it out in different scenarios, it'll really help you to, to determine if it's the right thing for you and how to best use it if it is.
0: Yeah, because I mean, there's some things like on a, on a hard workout, it may sit well, but there may be a moment that happens and and you're able to get past it. But if you didn't try, you know, that tempo run that you're doing race day, that thought of like that little small moment could throw off everything because you're not sure if you're going to get over it. But if you've done it before, if you practiced it, you went through it, then on race day, like little small things that you know may happen just naturally, um, you know that you've you've been there before. So like that's always my biggest thing for anybody new to anything it's like hey just practice it and and on race day everything just should be almost no-brainer
2: last question do you have a favorite product flavor combination
0: hmm okay um so the other day i did the the lemon energy powder before the run and then i also did a scoop of the i think it was watermelon hydrate and i put them all in one thing like an hour or so before the run and it was pretty amazing. It was like it was like watermelon lemonade. So it was kind of weird, but good. And I think that's the best combination. But hands down, though, like that chocolate energy or their protein energy is is just amazing. I love
2: that you. you <laughs> gave me a real combo because I was not thinking of a combo. I was just thinking of like chocolate energy and stuff. But that that actually that combo yeah, does sound true. really good. <laughs> I, thought me, I thought you were throwing me a curveball. Like wow.
0: This no. is actually, we went through you a whole caught it though, man. <laughs> yeah. I was
2: like,
0: oh was like that's a really a whole,
2: legit, good combo.
0: We went through a whole podcast, all these questions, and he waits to ask the hard stuff at the end. Like oh yeah. <laughs> luckily, luckily I was there. I did it. I'm like, well, you know, I really feel dehydrated, but I really need right, yeah. this, so let's just do this all at one time. And then it worked I out. I I've done it a couple times now.
2: That's awesome. Oh, that's a great that idea. That is awesome. Thank you again, Tommy, for all the advice you shared. It's been great getting to know you and um and good luck in Boston.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Tommy.
2: All right, John, we just got off the phone with Tommy Bailey. Tommy runs. Man, he is living and preaching something that I just totally resonate with, which is running is such a great way to learn about yourself and, I don't know, understand what you can do with your life.
1: Yeah, I love how you summed that up. You said running proves that you could do anything in life. And I don't know if true words have ever been spoken about the sport of running because it's funny as a person who wanted to do so much in the sport when I was younger, as I'm getting older again, just turning 40 recently. The way that I look at running now is in a more simplistic way. I'm really grateful for every run that I get to do, even if it's only for like 10 minutes. I feel super accomplished for the whole day. Like, that's mm-hmm. a big part of my day, is I got those 10 minutes. And honestly, sometimes, like, that's the best part of my day in terms of like, Getting something done was those 10 minutes, that one and a half miles or whatever it is that it ends up being. And that says a lot about something as simple as just putting one foot in front of the other, doesn't it? It's just, mm-hmm. I, I just ran, but for some reason it feels like it's something so much more and it inspires me to want to do other things as well.
2: Well, you know, the other thing that he, he brought it up a couple of times, both in the very beginning and at the end is this idea of, Looking at your life in a very—he had this like alcoholism, which you would normally take as like a super negative trait about yourself, but he somehow twisted it, reframed it. I like the word "reframe" because "twisted" sounds weird, but "reframe" it into an example of persistence, an example of his ability to endure, you know, challenges. And I was like, kind of amazed because it makes sense, and yet at the same time, it's the first time I've ever had anybody express in that way. Like literally, that—that that is the biggest reframe I've ever experienced in talking with someone of, of something that is stereotypically negative to becoming a positive. That literally defines how he can approach his life positively going forward because of his proof of having gone through that negative. I don't know. Yeah, weird. no. I'm
1: still trying to. Wrap, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say I, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that because, yeah, I felt the same way. I couldn't believe how eloquently he actually said it and and stated yeah. it because I'm like trying to think, what other examples can I think of? How can I build on that? Because that's what you would want to do is to be able to take something that's so negative and actually find, because it's there, it, it, it exists. But in any, any negative, there's always a positive. In any challenging situation, there's something that you can get out of it, right? There's something there for all of us to discover in challenging moments in our lives and the hard things that we go through But the way he reframed something as challenging and destructive and hard to overcome as alcoholism, it was phenomenal. I I was extremely impressed. Actually,
2: I'm not even explaining it well, but I feel like everything you just said—it's like he—he's like, "Well, I'm not drinking, so of course I can go to the gym." And like most of us, don't make that connection. Like we don't literally associate like that negative activity we were doing with the ability to do something positive in the future. And there's the other theme, you know, when he talked about how it's like. If, if he can, he stopped drinking and then he, he changed his diet and then he got into running and now he's starting a business and he's continually moving forward and he's using these successes. And that story he told about his daughter bowling is beautiful, where it's just sort of like mm-hmm. the scared person you are before you do something is the same person as the successful one at the end. And you have to remember because you're going to feel scared before every new opportunity that you've been there before and you've done it before and that it and that it, it's going to work out. I think there's there's so much truth to that.
1: Ah, that is so good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. And we can all relate to that Mm -hmm. because whenever we stop doing one thing that we're really good at or move on or transition out of something and we're doing something new, we forget. We forget that we were a person that same person that we're feeling right now who's scared is the same person who actually has accomplished other things in life. It is crazy how easily we forget that.
2: Yeah. No, yeah. (laughs) No matter how
1: old we get. Yeah. It's so easy to
2: look at this next thing and be like, oh, but this one's different. And it's like, well, yeah, it's different in the details, but it's, it's the same in the, in the journey that you're going to take. Like, it's going to be scary in the beginning. It's going to be a bunch of hard work and you're going to have to figure a bunch of things out. And then in the end, if you stick with it, you're going to make it into some sort of success, like whatever that means for you.
1: Yeah. Um, I love this conversation today for sure. I'll leave you with this. I mean, I think the thing that I loved most about it was that his journey is a reminder of it's a, it's a journey you know and that's what it reminds me it makes me think is that you have to take these steps i mean from where he was to where he is the fact that he's where he is today he's saying it it was steps it was baby steps it was changing one thing it was finding a community it was starting something it was then setting some goals it was achieving some goals and now setting new goals and the more i got involved the more things grew and i'm like man like that's that's how it always goes it never goes from I'm here. And all of a sudden I'm here. It, 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 a to Z, you have to go through all the alphabets at letters in the alphabet to get to Z, right? It's so that's yeah. what he's telling us in his story. And I really appreciated it. I really loved his honesty and openness. And I think it was a great conversation.
2: Yeah, me too. All right, John. Let's wrap this up here. Uh, For all of you listening, thank you for joining us on Fueling the Pursuit. Please give us a rating, five stars. Please check out the show notes for all the stuff that Tommy's doing and, and support him where you can. He's doing great stuff. And we will see you all next time.